Happy New You. Uh, uh, one of the traditions we have, uh, when, when I was growing up at Mount Nebo, one of the traditions we had was we would always say, Happy New Year, Happy New You. And so we would turn to each other and say that when the New Year, when the new year came in. And so since, it's been a, since it was last year, since I saw you all, uh, I want to say Happy New Year, Happy New You, and then I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to the neighbor on your left, Happy New Year, Happy New You. <laughs> now turn to the neighbor on your right, Happy New Year, Happy New You. And then turn to the preacher and say, Preacher, Happy New Year, Happy New You. Um, the new year is always a blessing and a time for renewal, and uh, it is truly a blessing to be here when I consider um, all the things that I've faced in the course of my life, and when I consider that tomorrow is not promised to me, I'm always thankful that um, I have another uh, new year. My name is Caesar. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm also the pastor for Celebrate Recovery. This is your first uh, Sunday here uh, with us. We welcome you here. Uh, it is a blessing to be here. Usually David uh, preaches here during this time, and so I've been, David invited me to come and preach for him, and so this is my second Sunday with you all, and it's been truly a blessing uh, and an opportunity to, to come and share with you uh, from the Word of God. As you all know, um, me being the pastor of Celebrate Recovery, one of the traditions I've started uh, in the worship service that we have on Thursdays is that I, I share a joke before I do the message. And so uh, yet people who say, oh, no, uh, we have small groups for my jokes. So for folks who are recovering uh, and need, need uh, uh, recovering from so much laughter, they need recovery from my jokes. So. so anyway, I have a joke for you uh, that I want to share with you. Uh, before, I, before we begin the message, and it goes like this. A man and a woman had been married for more than 60 years. They had shared everything. They had talked about everything. They had kept no secrets from each other, except the little old lady who had a shoebox on top of her closet that she had cautioned her husband never to open or ask about. For all those years, she had never thought about the box, but one day the little old woman got very sick, and the doctor said she wouldn't recover. In trying to sort out their affairs, the little old man took, the, took down the shoebox and took it to his wife's bedside. She agreed that it was time that he should know what was in the box. When he opened it, he found, he, he found two crocheted dolls and a stack of money totaling $95,000. He asked her about the contents. When, she, when, when, were, when, when we were married, um, when we were married, she said, my grandmother told me, the secret of a happy marriage was to never argue. She told me that if I ever got angry with you, I should just, I should just keep quiet and crochet a doll. The little lady was so, the little man was so moved, he had to fight back tears. Only, only two precious dolls were in the box. You only had, you only been angry with me two times in all these years of living and loving, he replied. He almost burst with happiness. Honey, he said, that then, he, honey, he said, that explains the doll, but what about all that money? Where did that come from? Oh, honey, she said, that, that money I made from selling dolls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I thought that was funny, huh? It's a good celebrate recovery joke, right? <laughs> well, as we uh, prepare for our lesson or our message, will you, um, will you focus with me on this particular passage that comes from Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verses 18 through 21. And I want to particularly focus, since this is the first Sunday of the new year, um, to focus on this particular thought. And will you join me now in this, in this reading? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Will you join me for a few minutes on this thought? Making space, making space for renewal. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we now ask that you would be present for us this day. This is your time. This has always been your time. And so, God, we ask now that you would send your Holy Spirit to breathe into us your breath of life. God, that you would take our minds off of all of the concerns and worries that we have so that we can now hear a word from you. God, we pray. We pray that you would be with us this very moment in this most holy time to remind us that your grace is more powerful than the sin that seeks to separate us from you. God, we pray. We pray in this time that you would once again rescue me from me and Rescue all of us from ourselves. And then, God, we pray now that you would hide me and that you would hide all of us behind your cross, that we might see you lifted up and glorified. Take the words now from my mouth and the meditations of my heart. Make them holy and righteous and acceptable in your sight. And then, God, we will be mindful in all things to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm always excited about the new year and what it holds for me because the new year always holds and represents for me new hope, new possibilities, a chance for new growth, and a chance to live out a new promise. Yes, I like the new year because it's always about putting the old behind me and bringing out the new. And every new year, I'm always pondering these questions and asking myself these questions. God, who are you calling me to be? Where are you calling me to go? And what are you calling me to do? I ask myself these questions because I know that as a man of faith, I struggle with this weak human condition that makes me vulnerable to the circumstances of life 
thus causing me to always seek the easy way out. Science. Science has said that the body is made up of approximately 65% water, and I've often said that, that I act like water. I'm always taking the path of least resistance. Yes, when I look at how physically vulnerable I am and how easily my world can be rocked, I must admit that I am oftentimes more concerned with making sure my physical welfare is in check more than my spiritual welfare is in check, more than my relationship and trusting God's holy will for my life to love God with my whole heart and to love my neighbors as I love myself. So instead of following the path that leads to abundant life for the whole, I'm always tempted because of this human condition to follow the easy path to leads to preserving the life for myself and my own narrow interest. When I'm called to reach out in concern for the world and those who are in need because of my weak human condition, I'm always tempted to withdraw in concern for protecting what is mine and my own narrow interest. When I'm called to pray for my enemies and to love those who despitefully misuse me, because of my weak human condition, I'm always tempted to lash out in judgment and harsh vindication so that I can protect my own narrow interest. And when I'm called to pray for temperance and long-suffering, I must admit, because of my weak human condition, I am always tempted to act with expediency and to leave the suffering to others so that I can protect my own narrow interests. So if I ask myself, so I ask myself these questions because I know that my struggle to live a faith-filled life is a battle not against my flesh more than it is a battle with my spirit to trust and believe that God is who God said God is in my life no matter what and that God's love will sustain me throughout the entirety of my life and beyond this life no matter what. Ephesians 6:12 says this, for our struggle our struggle is not against flesh and blood and against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, but our, 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 our battle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And if I am going to live a faith-filled life that is not manipulated by the weak human condition in which my spirit lives, then I must know that all this fear of loss and need to protect what is mine is a spiritual issue first and foremost. In fact, if we were to consider any struggles we face individually or collectively, I would venture to say that the core of our problems is whether we believe there is enough to sustain us and keep us spiritually whole. Thus, the faith issue for us is can we trust and believe that God has enough grace for us and that God is big enough? Is God big enough to uphold us in this sinful world? 
It's the reason, one of the reasons why I like every Thursday night when we, when we get done with our lesson and we close out worship, we say the serenity prayer. It's one of the reasons why I love the serenity prayer because it constantly reminds me of my vulnerable condition and that God is indeed big enough. And it gives me real perspective about where I fit in God's universe. And I love this part of the prayer that says this. The prayer that says this in the serenity prayer, taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Trusting, trusting that God will make all things right Trusting that God will make all things right is a faith issue. And when I deal with my human condition, ultimately at the end of the day, if I'm going to be all that God has called me to be, I truly have to trust that God will make all things right so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him for, in the ne- for him forever in the next. So, If I'm going to clearly hear from God regarding who God is calling me to be and where God is calling me to go and what God is calling me to do in 2015, then it requires that I must trust the mystery of who God is and believe that God's love is more powerful than the hate and the sin that seeks to separate me from him. And that God's will is more powerful than my weak human condition or this in which I live. In her book, Plan B, Further Thoughts on Faith, Anne Lamont says this, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. The opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. And every time I let go of certainty and trust the mystery of God's amazing grace, I get a clearer vision of who and where and what God is calling me to. Psalms 37, 4 and 6 says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. In other words, if I trust God's grace and commit my life to the mystery of God's love, I can be sure to know that God will vindicate me from my weak and broke human condition and sustain my life today and beyond the grave. The good news is that God stands ready to vindicate us when we are ready to lean into the mystery of God's amazing grace. So the question, and there's always a question, right, from the pastor. So the question for us today, so the question for us today is how do we clear the spiritual clutter in our lives? How do we, how do we clear the clutter in our lives so that we can get a clear spiritual view, so that we can make space for the spiritual growth that needs to take place in our lives? How do we clear the clutter in our lives? How do we clear the clutter in our emotional lives and every area of our lives? How do we clear that clutter so that we can make space 
to hear clearly who God is calling us to be. How do we make space in our lives to move things out of the way so that we can hear who God is calling us to be, where God is calling us to go, and what God is calling us to do? Three things I think that we need to consider, and here's the first thing. The first thing that we must do if we're going to clear the clutter in our spiritual space and so that we can hear clearly from God is that we must be willing to spend time prayerfully reflecting over our lives, where we have been, where God is calling us, and why we do the things we do. We must spend time prayerfully, prayerfully reflecting not just reflecting, but prayerfully reflecting on our lives and where we are and where we, where we are and where, why we do the things we do. Many of you know that I'm the pastor for Celebrate Recovery, and one of the things, one of the things you'll hear me talk about every Thursday night is step studies. And the reason why I talk about step studies is because step studies takes the 12 steps, and I've talked about this a, a hundred times. They take the 12 steps, and then we, we take this 12 steps along with our, with our life story, and we begin to answer these questions, and we begin to reflect on who we are as God's created creatures, who we are in this universe as people who have been created by God, why we do the things we do, why we have learned to behave the way we have behaved. And then we use those step studies and we use that sense of community as a way to access our faith and prayerfully pray, prayerfully reflect on who it is that God is calling us to be, to get a clear vision of who it is that God is calling us to be so that we can access not only our faith, so that we can prayerfully pray and wholeheartedly pray for healing in our lives. Matthew 5, 6 says this, and Jesus says this, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners and that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their rewards. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who in secret, pray to your father in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In other words, when we do the inward spiritual work, when we go and do the inward spiritual work, when we prayerfully reflect about the stuff that we have in our lives, when we, when we prayerfully pray about our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups, when we prayerfully pray about all of our brokenness, when we consider all of these things, and when we have that internal spiritual dialogue with, with God and those that we love, when we have that spiritual internal dialogue, God does the outward work in giving us abundant life. I love what Marianne Williamson says about prayer in her book, Illuminati, where she, in a return to prayer, where she says this, prayer increases our faith in the power of what is good. Thus, our power to invoke it most of, us, most of us have more faith in, power, in the power of AIDS to kill us than we have faith in God to heal us and make us whole. We have more faith in the power of violence to destroy us than we have faith in the power of love to restore us. 
Where we place our faith, there we place our treasures. Whatever we choose to look at, we will see. Prayer is a way of focusing our eyes. And when we prayerfully reflect, when we prayerfully reflect, we're turning our attention, we're turning our attention to God, and God always speaks life into us. The second thing that I think that we have to consider, if we're going to clear the spiritual clutter in our lives, if we're going to to clear the spiritual clutter in our lives so that we can hear clearly who God is calling us to be and where God is calling us to, to go and what God is calling us to do, then I think it's important for us to be ready to repent, that we must be willing to repent. When we repent, we are changing course. We are turning in a different direction. In other words, when we are able to repent, we are always able to get the help that we need. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And 2 Chronicles 7:14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I, will, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. And if we want healing and we want to live a life of wholeness, and if we want not only just a life of wholeness and not just a life that's mediocre but abundant life, we must be willing to humbly come and repent and surrender our sins to God's amazing grace and love. Repenting is shifting. It's shifting our sin to God's sin. I think this was clear to me. I remember I, I was uh, taking a, uh, I, I was working out of the gym and I remember um, while I was working out, I, I, I walked by this class and I saw these people doing these moves. And at first I thought it was ballet. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be going doing ballet. That's, that's a little bit, you know, I, I just wouldn't look right doing it, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, but I watched them and I saw them doing these graceful moves. And as I went to go and check uh, uh, and figure out what it was, and I realized that it was Tai Chi. And so, you know, I, I was thinking, well, Tai Chi, that's, that's kind of cool. It's a little bit more macho than ballet. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I go in there and, and I started talking to the, to, the, to the instructor of the class and, and he invited me into the class and I started doing these Tai Chi moves and, and, you know, I'm moving around and eventually, you know, I'm feeling like, oh, man, I'm getting all this stuff. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I'm, I'm you know, doing all this, and, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the man, I'm the man, you know, and I'm like, you know, I like this Tai Chi, and so, you know, I, I, I keep coming back week after week, and I'm learning these Tai Chi moves, and, and as we're going through the class, you know, the instructor is talking about, you know, balancing and shifting your weight, and, and how you can use this Tai Chi as a self-defense, and, and all this stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, how do you use something so graceful as a self-defense move. And so after the class, I came to the instructor and I said, tell me more about Tai Chi because I want to know how do you use something that seems so graceful as a way of defense? He said, 
Tai Chi is, is a martial art that is designed not for attacking, but it's for deflecting. It is taking the power of your enemy and redirecting it in another direction. He said, so, so when you get hit, rather than pushing back, he says, what you do is you allow that energy to move through you and past you into another direction. And he said, Tai Chi is redirecting all of that energy and placing it in another direction. Repenting. Repenting is redirecting our sin and death to forgiveness and new life. Repenting is our, in some ways, taking what the enemy has meant for us as death and shifting it to God who gives us new life. Finally, my brothers and sisters, the third thing, I think that we must consider if we're going to clear in our minds, if we're going to clear the, the clutter, the spiritual clutter in our, in our lives, if we're going to clear all of this stuff out of our lives so that we can clearly hear from God who God is calling us to be and where God is calling us to do and what to, to go and what God is calling us to do, then I think it's important that we be open for renewal, that we be open for renewal. If we are going to hear clearly from God who God is calling us to be, we must be open for renewal. We must be open for growth. It means that we have to be open for growth. But here's the cautionary warning about growth. Every time we grow, growth doesn't happen. Growth doesn't happen easily. It always causes pain in our lives. And every time we grow, there's always a breakdown. Every time that we grow in, 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 in who we are, there's a breakdown in our relationship. Every time we grow, there's a breakdown in our jobs. There's a breakdown in every, every, every area of our lives. And every time that we surrender ourselves and every time that we allow ourselves to be forgiven and we repent and we open ourselves up for renewal, we are allowed to grow, and every time that we grow, there is always breakdown. But the good news is that we don't stay broken down because after every breakdown, there's always spiritual renewal. There's always spiritual renewal. There's always spiritual renewal after every breakdown. I love this passage in Psalms 51 and 10 that says this, Create in me, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Thus, the ability to be renewed by God always sets us up on right course. No matter where we are in our lives, it sets us up on right course. No matter where we are in our lives, to experience life abundantly. To experience life abundantly. I remember in my own life when, when I experienced my own spiritual breakdowns, my own breakdown in, in, in my own life, how I, had, how I had worked to gain all of these things and put all these things in place to keep myself safe. And I remember it happened when my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. 
I remember the day that I got the call from my sister, and she said, Caesar, you said, you need to come home, she said, because mama's been sick, and we need to go to the hospital and figure out what's going on, and we went to the hospital, and they they had done a surgery, and then we waited the next day, and and then we got home, and then a couple of, day, couple of weeks later, we went back to a follow-up visit to the doctor's office. And when we went to the doctor's office, we sat in the doctor's office, and the doctor uh, basically told my mother that she had pancreatic cancer and that she had about 10 months to live. And I remember, you know, thinking to myself, you know, all these constructs that I had put in place in my life so that I could keep myself safe, all of these things that I put in place in my life so that I could protect my own narrow interest, all of these things that I had done to, to put in place in my life. And here, once again, my very narrow interest, the person that I loved most, the person who I cared so much about, was going to die. Remember how my life was rocked, how I had struggled. And then on top of all of that stuff that was happening, I was experiencing breakdowns in my relationship with my wife and eventually was, was served divorce papers. And I remember asking the question, God, what's going on? <laughs> Why? Struggling with real pain in my life. I remember I struggled not only in my relationship, but I struggled with my relationship with God, and I struggled through all of that. I remember I used to make my trips to Hartshorn, and I'd, I'd drive from Dallas, and I'd go to Hartshorn, and I was working as a chaplain at Methodist Hospital. So I, I was, you know, used to hearing all of this stuff, but I wasn't used to experiencing it myself, and, and I was trying to draw on all of these things that I, that I used, and none of it seemed to make sense to me why, why I was being left so vulnerable. And I would travel back and forth to Hartshorn because I couldn't call my mother because my mother is deaf. And, and so I had to go to Hartshorn to see her. So I'd make a three-hour trip to Hartshorn, and I'd spend the weekend with her. And we'd spend time talking, and we would spend time together. And it was just my opportunity to spend time with her because I knew that she was dying. And I remember last weekend that I had with her, I drove to Hartshorn, and, and I had spent my time with her, and, and she was at this time at the end stages of her disease, and her body was beginning to fail her, and I remember I got ready to go, and it was about nine o'clock at night, and I, she was in bed, and, and we sat in bed, and we started talking, and, and she was telling me, she was telling me, she said, she said, you were, you were, she said, you're so good, you're so good now. She said, she said, I remember when you were a little boy, you were so bad. <laughs> and she said, I used to have to whoop you all the time. <laughs> Everybody knows what this means in sign language, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I used to try to, try to teach you to pay attention, you know, and you were just always out here, you know. And, I, and, and then she said, she says, but I see you now. And she says, I see you now. And she says, I'm so proud. I remember sitting with her and she says, she says, I'm so proud of your girls. She said, I'm so proud of you. 
She said, you've come a long way. When so many things could have happened, you're here. And she says, I'm proud. I remember I kissed her and I told her, I said, I love you. And she said, I love you too. And, and I kissed her and I got in the car and I drove back to Dallas. And before I got home, my sister had called me. And she said, I figured you'd be home by this time. I wanted to tell you mother died. She said, mama died. I remember going and sitting on the couch and thinking to myself, you know, God, I don't know what this is about. I don't know what this is about. I can't hold it up with my own strength. I can't make sense of why this person whom I love so much has to be gone now. It doesn't make sense to me. And I began to just let go of all the constructs and say, God, I don't know. I don't know why you do the things you do. I don't know why things happen the way they do. I don't know why things happen the way they do. But just be with me today. I love this passage. I love this passage in Isaiah 43. 40 and 43 says this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not get weary, and they will walk and not faint. I remember my last time with my mother, she says, I'm ready to go home. She says, I'm ready to go home. I don't know what you're facing with. I don't know what you're faced with in your life. But here's what I want to say to you, and here's what I hope that you will hear, is that for us to make spiritual space to hear who God is calling us to be, it means that we have to truly trust in this amazing grace of God who says to us that I will never leave you nor forsake you, nor will I ever leave you no matter what. So whatever you're faced with in your life, whatever it is that you're struggling with in your life, whatever it is, whether it's a bad job, whether it's, it's bad business plan, whether you're facing bankruptcy, whether you are, you're facing some sort of addiction, whether you are, are facing a relationship problem, regardless of what it is, wait on the Lord. And God says to us that he will mount us up on we eagle wings. We will walk and not faint, we will run and never grow weary, and we will walk and not faint. And we will have spiritual renewal. My hope, my hope for all of us, my hope for all of us, as we live into 2015, is that we will clear the space, the clutter in our lives, so that we can hear clearly, so that we can hear clearly who God is calling us to be, what God is calling us to do, and where God is calling us to go. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your amazing grace that meets us once again in this most holy place. God, as we clear the spiritual space in our lives, we pray now we pray now that you would help us to hear clearly who you are calling us to be, where you're calling us to go, and what you are calling us to do. God, help us to live our lives with real faith, to trust the mystery of your grace, 
that you promise to never leave us and never forsake us, that you promise wherever we are to always be with us. Help us to be with you so that you will be with us. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.